Every election year, we are inundated with mudslinging, accusations, promises, hopes, and fears. Civility seems to go out the window as our minds are swayed towards a specific political platform and we choose who will lead our country. Jesus didn't have a political platform. He had an eternal platform. He wasn't trying to build a government. He was building his kingdom. So what if we could do this year differently? What if we could act differently and become an inspiration instead of just another voice in the angry crowd? What if we could join Jesus in his mission and call people into a better way? Well, good morning, everybody. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. Welcome to church. Glad that you're here. And we'll get to this in just a moment. Last week, God spoke to me through Twitter. I know that's, yeah, I know that's weird for some of you. <laughs> Last week, I'm just backstage. I'm scrolling through my Facebook page, Instagram, all that stuff. And I see a tweet pop up. It says, someone needs to read Romans 14. And I ignored it. I'm just like, somebody else needs to read Romans 14. I don't need to read Romans 14. And then I started thinking, what's Romans 14? So I read it. And Jesus wrecked me with Romans 14. And my hope and prayer is that he's going to wreck you too this morning. So if you could do me a favor, don't worry about anybody else. Just, just focus on what God may have to say to you. I've received a lot of emails in this series, most of them with questions attached. From week number one, the question was, why are you doing this to us? <laughs> I'm still not sure. Um, from week number two, the question was, why am I offended by a message and not being offended? The answer is, I don't know. From week number three, do I have to use my platform to love people? My answer is yes. And from last week, the question was, so are we going to build a wall or not? And I'm like, that that was so not the point. <laughs> One question has shown up consistently over the last four weeks or so, and the question sounds something like this. I know that I can't just sit silent. So how do I use my voice for the sake of godly change? And how do I honor God in these conversations, this crazy world? Because this series has really been... It's not been about politics at all. It's about how in the world did God's people get up and above all of this fray and chaos and it's stuff that's just flying out there in our world right now. I think that's a very valid question. We're going to try and answer it. Romans chapter 14 is where we're going to be today before we start. Here's what you need to know. At the time that Paul is writing the book of Romans, Paul was an apostle. What qualified him as an apostle is that he was a missionary sent to a very specific group of people, and he also had a personal encounter with God. So he was an apostle, but he was something more than that. He was also an activist. Paul wanted to see his world change. I mean, all of it. He wanted to see society, people, laws, standards, heart, conscience, systems. He wanted to see it all change. He had this picture in his mind of what the world could look like if we could just focus on Jesus. So Paul's an activist and he's speaking to a group of people who at that time were on a mission and we need to understand at that time the church was this was this subversive kingdom movement. It was really an upside down revolution because Jesus said things to people like, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you need to become the servant of all. I mean, if you really want to learn how to live, you're going to have to die to yourself. I mean, if you really want to build the kingdom, don't focus on your kingdom. Focus on the kingdom of Jesus. And all of these things were just wrapped up. Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of this is happening under the tyranny and the violence of the Roman Empire. And no matter how hard Rome tried to snuff out this little group, 
this troublesome little group of Jesus followers, instead of going away, they just grew and multiplied. It was crazy. Because this movement was made up of people from about as vast a spectrum as you could imagine. I mean, Jews and Gentiles, Greeks and Romans, men and women, slaves and free. And they're all coming together. I mean, people from different cultures and socioeconomic strata and different philosophies and political views and, and customs. I mean, can you imagine the table of Jesus at this time? A Greek philosopher sitting down with a Jewish zealot, sitting down with a North African royal, sitting down with a Roman slave, sitting down with a female prophet. Sit, I mean, and the list just goes on and on and on. They're all from different paths and they're gathering in Rome. And it's so important for us to understand, even though they came from diverse backgrounds, they're all sitting at the same table. It's important. Opinions, biases, viewpoints, and cultures all at a single table with Jesus as the central figure. And into this text we're going to read today, Paul's going to tell these people, I know you're coming from every different direction, but this is how we're going to do this together. Because it's not your table. It's Jesus' table. So here's what I did this week. I didn't put any fill in the blanks. I gave you an entire chapter of scripture with a little bit of room and you can write down whatever you want to write down, however you want to go about do that. But here we go. Acts chapter one, or sorry, Romans chapter 14, verse number one. Paul says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Oh boy. Paul makes a declaration. Hey, I need you to make some space. I need you to make some space for people who are different than you. I need you to remember back to, to what it was like when you first started on your journey and all the stuff that you dragged in with you and your misconceptions and all of that kind of stuff. I need you to make space. I, I, I need you to focus on the fact that God is calling all of us into a place that, that he created. And while you're making space for each other, he's saying, for the love of God, don't get stuck on disputable matters. There are some things that Christ the King, I'm going to tell you, that we do not dispute. Jesus is God. The Bible is true. Salvation by faith. Not our kingdom and the kingdom of Jesus. That's not open for debate here. We believe those things to be true. But there's some other disputable matters that we're willing, we'd love to have conversation about. Earthly kingdoms, personal preferences, education, immigration, how old's the earth, should I get a tattoo or not? I mean, we can talk about all that kind of stuff. That's what shows up every week on the hour. Whenever we do an Ask Me Anything, somebody always asks, how old is the earth and should I get a tattoo? I'm like, what? Like, but okay. And you're welcome to have an opinion on all of those disputable matters. Here's, here's what we want you to do though. Just because you have your opinion doesn't mean we're going to put a no vacancy sign over top of the door. Not everybody here has to agree. Our church has a conviction. It started way, way, way back. We try to do things a little bit different. We don't ask people to believe exactly what we believe and then behave exactly the way we behave. And if you do those two things, then we might think about letting you belong. That's not how it works here. In fact, we made a decision. We were going to do things the messy way. <laughs> So we actually tell people, uh, you can come and, and belong. Welcome to our dysfunctional family. We're glad you're here. We hope that leads you to a belief in Jesus because that's what holds us all together. And then we're going to let the behaving part of it, we're going to leave that to the Holy Spirit and he's going to take care of that in his good time. 
Now, Paul's going to talk in Romans chapter 14. He's actually going to talk in the context about dietary restrictions, okay? Because there were people in the church of Rome that were getting all hung up on actually what kind of food was being served. And just, I want you to stay in the context here because we're going to end up, we're going to bring it back to Jesus. And let me tell you why this matters. For the next 10 months in this country, you're going to be fed a steady diet of anger, rage, opinion. People are going to try and pull you over to their side. And, and you need to be really discerning about what you're going to consume. Here we go. Verse number two. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat the, with contempt to the one who does not. And the one who does not eat anything or everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant to their own master? Servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. When you are fully convinced in your own mind about something, it's called a conviction. But make sure you understand this. It's not a godly conviction unless it lines up with God's heart and God's word. Okay? I found that godly convictions are seldom popular or easy. If you don't believe me, you should read my email box. There's a cost to standing with Jesus, but it's worth it. Should you have convictions? Yes, you should. Don't call them godly convictions unless they line up with God's heart and God's word. I have lots of convictions. I mean, I have deep convictions in my life. When I first came to Jesus, I'm reading Old Testament, and I see God say this, I've laid before you death and life, choose life. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to choose life. That means I have a deep conviction about, about loving and guarding the unborn. Those who've not stepped across the line into breathing air like we have. But I have a godly conviction about that because I believe it lines up with God's heart and God's word. I also believe that your life is worthy of honor and respect and that I should protect your life just like you should protect mine. I believe that together as a family, we have a responsibility. God numbers our days. We don't number our days. We need to let God be God, but we need to, we need to actually champion the cause of life because your life matters and a baby's life matters and my life matters and everybody's life matters and we should actually live that way okay so I, I I try to honor God in that way that's my conviction that all of our lives matter I've been asked repeatedly Grant are we going to really get into the granular level of some of these particular issues and my response has been we actually already have if you were here during the series, we did two different series called Taboo. We actually talked about abortion, sexual identity, racism, divorce, and all of those messages are available at ctk.church. If you want to go back and listen to them, I'd invite you to do that. I got convictions. You should have convictions. This series has really been about how do we wield those convictions? How do we wield those convictions? Paul keeps writing. He says, I want to remind you, I'm just going to remind you, don't get hung up on disputable things. Then he says this, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of our lives live our, live our lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. This is hard for some of us to hear, and please don't get me wrong. I've been asked this question a lot too. Grant, are you patriotic? Oh, you have no idea. 
I'm so thankful for the freedom of this country. That's why I get to do this. I'm thankful for that. And this will be hard for some of you to hear, but it needs to be said. Before your country, before your party, before your candidate, if you belong to Jesus, you belong to him first. First. He has the first right of ownership on all things. He owns your heart, your mouth, your brain, your keyboard, your computer, your Facebook feed. He is king. He dictates policy. He is worthy. There's not going to be an election about Jesus. Jesus is all, king over all. That's the way the story begins. That's the way the story will end. Sam Rodriguez says this, I think it's so important. He goes, we must not marry politics or one party or one person. We must engage, but not marry. We must engage with a simple understanding. Uncle Sam may be a phenomenal uncle, but he can never be your heavenly father. We started this series with a simple question. Can you put your faith above your politics? Well, when you choose faith, we don't live for ourselves because Jesus didn't live for himself. He died for the salvation of our souls. This is what I have loved during, during the, the, the message that I preached on offendability. I talked about what it was like when I showed up at the platform of Jesus. I was offensive to his perfection because I made decisions to live my life counter to everything that he told me. And I showed up at the corner and God rightfully should have looked at me and said, you know what? Go away. Stay away. You disgust me. He should have said that. I was offensive to his perfection and holiness. You know what he did instead? Come here. Come right up here on this platform. You stand with me. And when my father who is perfect, looks at you, all you have to do is look at him and say, I'm with Jesus. (laughs) I'm with Jesus. And he'll go, oh, family. Family. I love that. When I was a spiritual orphan, God went and got adoption papers for me. He got adoption papers for me and he showed up and said, nobody else wants him, I'll take him. Fish books in my family. Come on, get up here. Open your mouth, son. Talk about how good. Don't talk about what you've done for God. Talk about what God did for you. It's just a beautiful thing. And then uh, on the week when we actually didn't talk about immigration, (laughs) but some people thought that we did, I, I, I said, you know, we need to understand this. Here's how it is. We're all strangers to God's holiness. We're all aliens to his perfection. And, and, and instead of just pushing us away and saying, go find your own country, God didn't give us a temporary visa or a resident alien card. Instead, he stepped over the line and said, not only am I going to adopt you into my family, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you citizenship in a brand new kingdom. A brand new kingdom. I can tell you from experience, if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. I am not a prince. <laughs> but my heavenly father's a king. I'm a citizen of heaven on temporary assignment here, and I refuse to waste time on disputable matters when I'm going about my father's business. And whenever I forget that, Jesus says, I want to invite you back to my table. I'd like you to to remember the price that I paid for your freedom. Paul continues, verse 9, For this very reason Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? 
Okay, don't get me wrong. We all need to judge between good and evil, right and wrong. But when we treat people with contempt based on that judgment, Jesus reminds us of something. Don't ever forget how Jesus treated you when you were making all the wrong decisions. He actually welcomed. The Bible continues, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Oh my. Every post, accountable. Every provocation, accountable. Every learning moment, accountable. Every rant, accountable. Every prayer for peace, accountable. Every vote, accountable. Every objection, accountable. Every dream, accountable. Let's keep going. Verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block. Let's go back there. Make up your mind, your mind, not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it's unclean. Paul's saying, look, you, you, you just have to understand that with this many people coming to the same table together, that there are things that we're just simply not going to be able to agree on. And we need to handle that within the family. Paul's actually talking here about how to get along in the family. And I'm concerned, I, I, I care deeply about how we operate within the family, but I also want us to understand that there are certain ways we're supposed to do family business and there's certain ways we're supposed to do business outside of this place. This is, I think, where we get it wrong. We get it wrong so often. You know, we, we read, if you went back to week number one, how we're supposed to have these conversations and there's words like gentle, grace, truth, hope, Love, I mean, it, it's just, it, it, it just, God just lays it out for us and we think, yes, that's how we're going to do it in here. But you let me go outside and I'm going to be a jackhammer for Jesus this week. This is how this is going to work. And I'm going to go out and clobber someone into the kingdom <laughs> with my fingers in my mouth. <laughs> oh, God help us all. So I'd love to answer the question, where is the place for godly activism. I mean, where is the place for a voice calling for change? And I would answer the question by replacing the word where with how. How do we call for godly change? When I read the words of Jesus, this is my conclusion. It's the right time with the right tone, with the right motive to the right audience so that you get the right response. Let me say that again. It needs to be at the right time, which means I actually check in with Jesus and say, Jesus, do you want me to say something here? How many of us have ever gotten that wrong? <laughs> it's just like, Bleh, out it comes, and it's just like, Jesus, should I have said that? Wrong order. <laughs> wrong order. The right time, with the right tone, with the right motive, 
to the right audience so that you get the right response. We just celebrated a national holiday. They celebrated a man, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who spoke to a fractured country. He spoke with a, a prophetic, activistic tone that, that dreamed of a better day. His motive was honoring each other's humanity and he sent out that message to a world that needed a clarion call about change. And we got a long way to go, but I don't know of anyone that can argue that his voice, his voice mattered. So we have to, we have to scale. Not all of us have a national platform. Some of us have, have little platforms in coffee shops all over the county and we got a platform at a lunch table in, at your company's place and, and people ask questions and, and, and you have an opportunity to decide how you're going to press in. It all comes down to right time, right tone, right motive, right audience, <laughs> right audience. Okay. I got permission to say this, but um, so I'm in a conversation last week with someone who took great exception to my call to clean up social media because they believe that social media is a great way to communicate out ideas. And we're having this conversation back and forth and, and he believes he's changing the world one post at a time and, and he actually shows me his feed. And so I start going through the, I'm just, just looking through the feed, kind of going interesting, interesting, interesting. And then I asked a question. I said, so um, maybe I'm wrong, but this is my perception. You appear to be arguing with a group of political scientists from the seventh grade. <laughs> he was. He got, he got engaged in a political discussion with a group of seventh graders. And I said, so first of all, um, you're 50. That means this is creepy. Like, can, can I just say that out loud? That's just, that's just weird. It's not godly. It's like, dude, wrong audience. Like wrong audience. Choose the right audience and remember something. It was God's kindness that led you to repentance. Last week I talked about Ron and Ted, my two buddies from the coffee shop. Can I tell you something? They both came last weekend. They were both here at different services. What was funny was this. Ron, who's a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, was like, I've never been in a room with so many Republicans in my life. <laughs> Ted is a dyed-in-the-wool Republican. You know what he said? He goes, I've never been in a room with so many Democrats in my life. <laughs> you know what else? You know what else they said? Said, never been to this church ever. The people were very kind. Let's keep going. I want to get off on that soapbox. Oh my goodness. Okay, verse 15. If your brother or sister is dis distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. You could say that another way. Do not by your eating, do not by your political opinions, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God, receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. 
We should underline that. I had a privilege not too long ago of eating a meal with some Ethiopian brothers and sisters. I think Ethiopian food is just amazing. It's impeccable. But I'll never forget what happened because we're all sitting down together and in the Ethiopian culture, you eat with your fingers. I think it's perfect, right? <laughs> and they have this bread in Jira and you tear off a piece of the bread and then you push it into the center where there is meat and vegetables and all this stuff. It's piled in the center and you, and you scoop it up and, and you eat it and, it's, and it's, it's, it's a compliment if you lick your fingers. Some of you are like, like, that's awesome. I think it's fantastic. So I'm just like, this is really good. I mean, so I, I, I dig in because I love Ethiopian food. And my brother and sister were all sitting around. And, and I, I reach in, you know, I reach in with both hands because I couldn't get the scoop thing going with this hand. And I just kind of push this stuff on there. And when I look up, everybody in, in the table is frozen. And I'm like, what did I do? I didn't know, <laughs> didn't know. In that culture, um, you eat with your right hand and do other things with your left hand and that's as far as I'm going with that. So they're freaked out. And I'm like, oops. <laughs> I was so thankful for my friend Wilton. I mean, he just made a joke and then we all started laughing. <laughs> You know what I didn't do? I didn't keep eating with both hands. I didn't lecture them, well, that's not how we do it where I come from. I actually tried to bring peace back to the table. I'd like to suggest some language for you for the next 10 months. The language is this. May I submit something to you for your consideration? It's gracious and loving, and when you put it before your opinion, it allows God to use the position of your heart to keep the conversation going. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. It's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Some of you are very, very verbal, <laughs> and that verse is going to drive you nuts. Let me say this again. This is hard for an activist to hear. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. And I'd like to preach that, but I'm not going to. You can go home and meditate on Romans 14 all week long. May you be blessed as you do. Let's keep going. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Boy, that one will preach. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Do you remember in week number one, I told you about my atheist friend, Ty, who wanted to share some things with you as quote unquote Christians. And this is what he said. He goes, when, when someone that you're supporting does something that you don't agree with, just say, I don't agree with that. I think that was wrong. There may come a time when you have to step back from your party or your candidate because they make an ungodly choice. In that moment, you should pray for them. But don't approve ungodly behavior just because it's, well, that's just the way politics works. Don't condone something you know is wrong simply because it's done in the political realm. And let me tell you why. Because you're just going to confuse people. Let's keep going. Verse 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. When we come to this table... 
and we gather from all of these varying perspectives, it's so important to remember what we have in common. All of this we have in common, our sin and God's grace. Our sin and God's grace. Romans 14 feels like it was written yesterday to me. I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a different context, but I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is so unbelievably relevant. And to bring our time together to a conclusion, I'm going to tip over into Romans 15, because I believe these are the marching orders for all of us. Romans 15 verse 5 says this, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Some of you needed, you're going to need some endurance for the next 10 months just to get through it. Some of you are going to need some encouragement not to pull away. It's so easy to just throw up your hands watch a Hallmark movie, and just like, just give me something other than that, I understand. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So here's my question. What did God just tell you about your life through Romans 14? I thought, I mean, I I could have come up with 27 applications. I don't think any of them are relevant unless they're yours. So I left some space in your outline for you to write down what God whispered to you about. I got to hang out last night and be up front and pray with some people. And these are some of the things that they said. I need to go home and have a personal conversation with Jesus. I think I might have been going about this all wrong. Someone else came and said, I'm going to go home and actually delete a chat room. I'm not sure I'm helping. Some of you need to quiet down. Some of you need to speak up. And if we all took our marching orders from Jesus, I wonder whether or not that might actually change our world. So I'm not going to give you any application, but I am going to give you some homework. I know some of you, are, you're kind of looking at this and you're going like, so are we going to have communion? This would be a great time to have communion. Where are the tables? Are there tables anywhere? Is anyone going to come and serve me? <laughs> I hope you know that it's okay to have communion outside of church. Right? So here's my homework for you. Before you go home and post something, before you go back to the coffee shop on Monday and argue again, before you send me a letter, <laughs> I'd like to make a simple request for all of the people of Christ the King. Why don't you come and pull up a table? Pull up a chair at God's table for a few minutes. Remember what he did and why he did it. Make this your message. Remember this simple fact. You didn't walk to this table. He carried you. Remember, all you need is some kind of bread. I don't care what it is. Some kind of juice. I don't care what it is. 
but to come and spend a few minutes and say, God, bring me back to all of the things that really, really matter. So sometime this week, I want to challenge all of you individually to have communion with Jesus. I did it yesterday. You know what was crazy? The whole Trinity showed up. (laughs) God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We had a great conversation. It's funny, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about disputable matters. (laughs) We talked about how much God loves and how his dreams for change in our world are so much more profound than ours are. So I'd like to encourage you to be thankful, not only for the table, but for also, also for, for all the other people that are invited to take a seat with you. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.